What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Terrible Wrestling Takes Podcast with me, your host, The Bishop, TW Takes. Do not forget, do not forget, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TW Takes Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Email me with all your terrible takes at bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. It's now time for more Terrible Wrestling Takes. All right, all right. Monday Night Raw. Go home show to Hell in a Cell. And I tell you, they didn't give us much of the go home portion. So I think what I'll do is the the SmackDown recap with a Hell in a Cell preview show. Look, I, I don't know. A lot of mixed feelings on Raw. Uh, they, they went away from the storytelling that I explained, I don't know what, like four or five Raw episodes ago. They layered nothing through the night. You know, I, I, I'm not understanding what they're trying to tell us here. I mean, the only thing we got leading into Hell in a Cell was Elias Jeff Hardy became an official match. And Randy Orton, I'm sorry, man, the slow, melodic promos that he does, it's, it's not working. It's not working. You know, we wait all night to get the Hell in a Cell promo, and it ends with McIntyre breaking the chain to get into the cell, and we see nothing. And the promo from Randy was not good. Yes, he explained his history, but the way he's talking, and this is who I faced, and that's when I faced him. And I tell you what, when I faced him, I did this, and then I faced this one, and I faced that one, and... I got a title when I face this one and that one and this one. And it's just like, come on, I'm, I'm, it's, it's not working. It's not working. So, unfortunately, I think that's what's marking Drew as the champion he is, is he's not being elevated anymore. We've hit a stagnation on this story that it, it's not interesting anymore. It's literally, is this going to be it? You know, I thought the ambulance match was it. I thought SummerSlam was it. Like SummerSlam, Randy should have won the title, and we're telling a different story right now about Drew trying to get it back. And it gives Drew the juice again. But right now, it's just Drew having to respond to Randy Orton carrying the storytelling, and it's just not adding up. Like even Drew's promo, like they're both saying stuff they said before so what are we watching uh because i'll try to translate it to when to when i was watching as a kid and and you know there was an entertainment aspect to stone cold and the rock and every time they wrestled the only the only thing i ever got tired of with stone cold was the was the vince mcmahon stuff because i was always in the wrestling matches like mcmahon keeping fucking them over and I, I never liked any of the mcmahon stuff you know it just it never had out to me but like there was always an entertainment aspect, and I'm not being entertained. There's there's a formulation of what they're doing that's not hitting with me. So I'm over it, man. I'm over it. Uh, another thing that they, they seem to, to fuck up in one night, and I guess it's on me for finally realizing it now because I was given retribution all the time to breathe, but I, they, they completely fucked them up. They completely fucked them up. And I'm not just talking about The Fiend. When retribution gets in the in the ring... Besides their first match where, you know, it, what, it ended in a DQ, right? But at least Mason T-Bar were, were looking, you know, uh, in sync. In the ring, they look like fucking amateurs. They look like amateurs. Like they've never been on the big stage. Like they don't know what they're doing. They're terrible wrestlers. And we know for a fact T-Bar is not a terrible wrestler. So whatever it is they're doing inside the ring... They look like scrubs. And if that's the message you're sending, 
then you need to get them out of the ring and have them go back to the to the other angle. Because inside the ring, they will get nothing accomplished because they look like shit. Having T-Bar tap out to the full Nelson, you know, well, what's what, what's he calling it? The, the Hurt Lock? Having T-Bar tap out to the Hurt Lock is is discrediting their their most powerful wrestler. It, it it would be like Mustafa Ali losing by sunset flip. You're ruining any type of credibility you can have with retribution. And I'm not even looking at it as the hurt business being strong. I'm looking at it as retribution's weak. This has nothing to do with the hurt business. The hurt business is established. They're money. But if retribution is gonna play dirty all the way up until getting signed, and after being signed, they think they're going to lose, so people come out and... No, keep playing dirty. Use your tricks. Mustafa Ali said it, right? I was the hacker on SmackDown. Okay, good. They tied it together in the worst way possible. And then he says, all I need is a laptop. All I need is a cell phone. I can create chaos. Well, where's the fucking chaos? Where has it been? Because what we got, you know, since the draft is nothing. And what we got this this Monday was shit. Absolute shit. They look like they're not ready, which is a shame. Because us as fans, and I'll speak for me, and those who came aboard after Mustafa Ali, that we're, we are ready. We do want this. And we want it to work. But you literally just showed that it can't work. Because they're not wrestling in the ring well. And they're no longer a threat. The Fiend took out every male member in 10 seconds. So to my thought is, was he recruiting Retribution? But he doesn't have to. But if he does recruit Retribution, then maybe we get the Fiend faction. But that doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how that would add up. It's just, at that point, it's just bodies. And the Fiend doesn't need bodies. Whatever Alexa Fiend and the Fiend are doing is what we need. Now, what's their end game? What are they running to? I don't know. But we got, we got Funhouse Bliss as well. And Funhouse Bliss was dope, too. Again, I've been saying it for weeks, saying it for weeks. Alexa's acting is top-notch. She is acting the shit out of this gimmick. And I, I, I honestly, I, and, and the, the double-edged sort of it, I've been feeling bad for Bray because it almost seems like she's being forced on it. But that's just because I'm not talking to Bray about it. But it seems like she's she's getting the full-on attention given to her with the fiend gimmick but the fiend is pulling the strings from the background so you know let's let's see how this how this does play out but having having bliss show up in the funhouse and the the real kicker was when when the fiend took out retribution she said let me in not let him in she said let me in in the fiend voice it's perfect she's fully there she is all the way in. Now, do we get gimmick adjustment when it comes to, you know, Alexa Fiend? Is Alexa, like we talked about before, right? Does Alexa Fiend get a mask? Does she get costume design? You know, she had uh, she had the torn up sweater and everything. Is that going to be her consistent clothes for the funhouse? You know, this, this needs legs. This needs more body to it, more meat on the bone, if you will. So, you know, let's, let's see how that plays out. Another thing that played out okay for me... <laughs> A lot of you hated it. The streak's at five, baby. 
Lana going through a table five weeks in a row. Keep it going. The streak's at five. Um, look, I think I think you can tell by Lana's ring gear, too, that they jumped the shark on, on splitting up her and Natty, whatever they're trying to do with the women's division. Uh, I, I have no clue. But uh, Lana's ring gear, after getting split from Natty, is full of hearts. It's pink and black. Uh, looks dope. But, you know, so I guess this is going to be the end of what Lana's doing for the Asuka stuff. But hopefully she keeps coming on TV and going through a table. Give give her something. Entertainment's entertainment. And and look, she's she's doing it for us. She's not getting buried because of her husband. She's going through a table to be on TV, to be a performer. I mean, look, if the streak ends at some point and she's on TV and doesn't go through a table and then, like, cheers about it and then come back from commercial break and she's laying through a table. I mean, come on. You can do all kinds of stuff with it. And it's... It's entertainment value. And the last thing, I'm not going to harp on the match too much. I probably talked about it longer than it lasted. But listen, this match, the most athletic Lana has looked inside the ring. So again, to my point for the last couple of weeks, as long as she is trying and making an effort to get better, I will give her the chance. Unfortunately, you know, it's the wrestlers like Natty who have all the experience but seem to not make strides kind of, you know, lend a little bit of a disappointment for me. If they show strides of getting better, you know, I got the Lana match on now. She's wearing Yeezys. She's wrestling in Yeezys. That's crazy. Yeah, check out the sole and then you can see the, the heel tabs. Huh. I can't wear Yeezys. I wear a, a 14 and a half in Yeezys and I, I won a pair once through a raffle and uh, and they never shipped. They canceled the order. So ever since then, uh, I haven't invested any time in Yeezys. But anyway, that's the uh, sneaker conversation part of the podcast. So yeah, I mean, look, as long as any wrestler wants to try to get better in the ring and you don't hear, you know, the diva aspect of it or even, you know, from the dude side of it, you know, thinking that they're better than everyone when they're really not even close. I think Lana is one of those that, Look, she's giving it an honest effort. That's that's more than you can ask of any wrestler. So, shouts to Lana for, for trying to get better. And shouts to Lana for having the streak at five. Um, the women's tag title scene. Again, Trash Ola, right? I mean, everybody said it. Why is, why is Peyton Royce teaming with Lacey Evans? You had the Iconics. Now you don't. Why? Why are you doing this? Peyton Royce, yes, can be a star. Peyton Royce, like everyone else, needs time in the ring on TV so you can see them often. Uh, Lacey Evans, I was a big fan of uh, in NXT. I remember her coming through the Mae Young Classic as well. Great gimmick. And then even when they called her up, my wife and I used to uh, used to bag up. Every time the music would hit, she would uh, she would walk down to the ring, then walk back out and just parade. Like that's that was perfect. She got hot shotted. You know, they were trying to make her, uh, you know, the next the next one to hold the spotlight. And it, it worked for a little bit, but there, with, with whatever traction they had, they completely went away from it. So I thought the buildup to, uh, what was that, Extreme Rules, the um, Seth and Becky versus Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans was the most credible way to get them there like it it worked but coming out of that Lacey Evans had no more steam so it just kind of you know faded off you know but anyway the the tag title scene for the women like again I I thought we're getting a reset right but we just got resets and rosters 
not really resets in storytelling. And we need we need it. And that's kind of my problem with this episode is that you didn't push us to Hell in a Cell, which is supposed to be a major pay-per-view, you know, with gimmick matches and shit, and you're not giving us depth underneath of these 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 divisions. I mean, who Asuka's not facing anyone at the pay-per-view, right? Unless they make that match by Friday, and if they do, hey, I'll uh, I'll talk about it. But, you know, again, the women's tag titles, you know, they got nothing. Um, AJ, AJ Styles, the greatest wrestler of all time. What the fuck does he need a heater for? You know, uh, I saw you guys tweeting out dude's name. Sorry, I'm not going to butcher it. But look, I mean, straight up, we first seen the bodyguard when he was the ninja for Akira Tozawa. Since then, he was the door guy for Raw Underground. Now he's AJ's bodyguard. And shout out to him for getting the paycheck and, and all that shit. But when it comes down to it, like the bodyguard for AJ Styles isn't going to help. Because AJ's the greatest wrestler of all time. And he doesn't need the help. Now, when he had the good brothers around him, they would do heel shit and get the job done. But even then, they were actually made fools of. And in my opinion, AJ works better as a babyface. He's got to drop the heel gimmick, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon. What are you going to do? You know, just just let AJ do his thing till his contract runs out? I don't know. And supposedly, he re-upped for big money. Instead of going to, what, AEW or back to Impact or, you know, whatever the rumor was. But, uh, but yeah, look, I, I don't understand why AJ needs needs a bodyguard. Doesn't add up. Um, all right. Also, uh, the only other thing I, you know, I can take away positive, and, and I, I want you guys to, 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 to run with me here. Listen to this. Go back and watch Miz cut the promo on El Gran Gordo. He was saying all the things that basically Triple H was saying to Booker T heading into their WrestleMania match. Otis gets shitted on by the IWC the same way that The Miz was. And what I immediately thought was, Miz is helping to build Otis to a new level. It's going to be hard for Otis to get to that level, just the way his character is. But like, you know, he started using the Vader bomb, right? You know, what if he turned into that monster style heel like vader was you know and and vader was a super athlete for his size you know moon salts you know and, and shit like that and uh, i'm hopeful for otis i find him entertaining you know see senor tucky you know like that, that's just funny and the problem is though like otis was building steam naturally and then he was made to take his shirt off and become the dancing baby now he's a caricature but I mean, Miz was telling him, you don't look like a money in the bank contract holder. You don't look like a champion. You aren't the normal. You know, that's all Miz building Otis to the next level. And that's to Miz's credit for being able to bring people to that next level. Now, I think this is make or break for Miz, though. If the Miz can get Otis to that level through this storytelling, then that puts Miz in the Hall of Fame. You know, like he, look, he's got the longevity and all that shit. Like it's going to happen. But I mean, think about that. If the Miz can, can completely turn around his in-ring work over the last, what, five years? Because since I've been watching, he's gotten better and better and better. If he can now create a star out of his promo work plus in-ring capability, that's Hall of Fame level shit. And he's got to be respected for that. So maybe what we got to do is stop focusing on how stupid they're making Otis look and start focusing on the story that The Miz is telling. And we might be able to get there. 
we might be able to get there. But I tell you, when when it comes down to you know what's happening on the raw side of things, Keith Lee is the perfect example of what is wrong with the Monday Night Raw storytelling. Keith Lee is such an amazing commodity that if he was still on NXT right now, him and Finn Balor would be having amazing matches. And we don't get to see that. And we also don't get the Keith Lee that we want. So they put him in a match with Braun, and the match ends, and I and, and to Keith Lee's credit, and whoever booked the match and whatever it was, he gets headbutted in the nuts, gets kicked in the face, gets pinned, but kicks out on three. And they never show the replay of the third on the count, which is huge because back in the day, the kick out on three plus the DQ-ish, you know, because he wasn't disqualified, but you get a low blow plus a kick out on three basically means you can't beat me straight up. You have to cheat to win. So I'll give them credit for that. But th- this is what sucks about Raw. It's what sucks about WWE. This is what makes a lot of you guys complain. We got a semi-dream match. Braun versus Keith Lee. Big guy versus bigger guy. Like, how do we how do we fuck this up? Oh, we fuck it up by doing some bullshit finish. You know, and then we put on a a Randy Orton promo that gets twice the length of the match afterwards. How does that help anybody? How does that help Keith Lee? How does that help Braun? You know, again, I'm not, and this is this is me as the old man talking. I'm not 9, 10, 11 years old anymore. I'm not a sucker for this. I watch because I want to be entertained. I, ha- I take a real enjoyment out of entertainment wrestling. If you are going to suck me in, for a three-minute match between two guys who should be held with reverence inside the ring, then you're barking up the wrong tree. And Chris Jericho holds the demo for a reason. You know, I don't like Chris Jericho's shtick right now. And that's that's just my opinion. And if I did, I would cover AEW. And, and I don't. And I won't until after the Masked Singer. Look, I, I'm just saying, I hold a lot of this... With a grain of salt, because it's wrestling. But the reality is, we we can't be suckers. They don't have to put on pay-per-views every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But they have to put on a show that makes sense. And a, a, a two-minute match between Braun Strowman and Keith Lee. And look, it could have been 12. I don't know. But everything of consequence feels like it was only two minutes. That kind of match between the two of them is not what we deserve. It's not what we ask for. If you're going to tell us that we're getting Braun Strowman and Keith Lee, then give us Braun Strowman and Keith Lee. You know, when even when we were getting uh, Roman and Bray, right, or we were getting the New Day and the Usos, better example, right, New Day and the Usos, first time they face off, oh, shit, that was cool. Every match after that had another layer, had more depth. I mean, who knows how many times they wrestled, right? And then they had such a sportsmanship, they would one-up each other. And all kinds of shit would happen. So, look, uh, that, that's what I'm saying. We, we have to give us... Look, uh, here, here, here's a good one. Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar. Watch that match, right? It ends, and by the time Brock Lesnar's at the top of the ramp, Samoa Joe's still in the ring. He's, he's standing in the ring. And is giving Brock Lesnar the, the close fingers going, I was this close. I was this close. I, all I've wanted since then is another Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar match. 
And that's what you do with Braun Strowman and Keith Lee. Who cares who wins? Because at this point, either one of them winning is believable just based on their size. So who got the upper hand this time? Okay, who's got the upper hand next time? It's all about that. But when you give us DQ finishes or, you know, uh, short matches because of whatever you feel like doing or, you know, you give us the bullshit, it doesn't help. The first time Braun Strowman and Keith Lee touched and it ended in the, you know, double count out or whatever the fuck it was, you know, or you were giving us Randy Orton and Keith Lee off the bat. Like, Keith Lee's been put in these positions and... And we're still not getting anything from him because there's no story to it. He just gets to wrestle the most high-profile people, you know, which is why I think it was a mistake that he was kept on Raw and not put him on SmackDown. I think he'd be perfect on SmackDown right now. Put him in meaningful feuds that can be told properly because they ain't telling any fucking story on Raw with Keith Lee. But anyway, that's about all I got on Raw. Uh, just, you know, my gripes on it, not a lot of positive feedback about Raw, but when I rewatched it, you know, the only thing I really didn't like is that they didn't layer much throughout the entire night. Uh, the Elias concert was okay. You know, he's, he sounds better singing now than he did, what, a year ago, you know, when they got his album, the number one, the night it dropped. Uh, you know, whatever. Uh, I think give Miz and Otis a little bit of time to tell this part of the story and see what happens. Um... Of like we talked about, right? They just had a draft, but people are on both shows. Like, ugh, come on, you know. But I didn't want to be completely sour on the whole thing. For a non-layered RAW, they they gave us segment for segment something to look at. But I mean, overall, yeah, it was probably like a C C minus show. It just wasn't. There's no meat to it, and you need you need meat heading into a pay per view. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with SmackDown. Uh, as far as going into Hell in a Cell, I'm looking forward to NXT. NXT will get some uh, some good matches. We're getting a tag team match. Uh, Undisputed Era versus Brizongo for the tag titles. But we're also going to finalize the build into Halloween Havoc the next week. So, you know, quick little episode. No, uh, no muss, no fuss, man. Yeah, like I said, we'll see what happens uh, when SmackDown come around. And we'll do uh, we'll do SmackDown recap and look at what Hell in a Cell is going to be. So, other than that, let me give two quick shout outs. One to at Mystical Mystic. My man said he was going to binge the entire podcast while playing video games. Uh, so much respect to that. Appreciate you listening. Even threw in there that me and him should do a, a podcast together. Uh, and like I told him, look, I would love for this thing to grow to a point where. I make a living off of it, and if that happens, I have no problem looking into other ventures, but definitely would like to have like some guest host spots to just ramble thoughts, because I've listened to podcasts for probably seven years, and I constantly am always yelling back to the host, saying that you should say this, or you should say that, or you know, don't tell me how I'm seeing it, you know, which was the point of making this podcast, because you know, this is how I see it, so... Um, you know, giving you guys the opportunity to do that too, I think would be pretty dope, but uh, I spend too much time trying to figure out the rest of life because, well, you know, I don't make money off of this thing and that's not, that's never been the point. Um, but yeah, the other shout out is to at wrestling pins. I got my stone cold Steve Austin pin in the mail. Things beautiful. Thing is awesome in person. Uh, double pin. I'm not a pin collector. I'll tell you that, but this being the first one, uh, it's, it's a perfect first. 
Uh, the detail is incredible. Uh, I, I have nothing bad to say about it. So, shout out to at Wrestling Pins for the Rattlesnake, the, their first pin. And I'll be looking to order the Bret Hart one pretty soon. Uh, so, yeah, thank you guys. And, you know, you hear the music already. So, with that being said, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TWTakesPodcast on Instagram and Twitter. Share your terrible wrestling takes via my pinned tweet. Email me, BishopTWTakes at gmail.com. Until next time.